Hello, we are Shelf Check, a podcast for the question of our times. What should I read next? Shelf Check is presented by the Arlington Public Library in Arlington, Texas. I'm Mark Dellenbaugh, one of your hosts, here with two other hosts. I'm Tamara. And I'm Miranda. Let's talk books. If you've seen the title to the episode, uh, you might have something of an idea of what we're going to do, but um, maybe not completely. Americana the Beautiful. So what do we mean by Americana? Uh, I love Americana. I think it's a wonderful way to look back at the history of our nation. I mean, we're, we're talking about looking back at it, though, with uh, more of a romantic nostalgia so you're looking at it from the eyes of a child looking in the past with parents and you're going on trips or you're looking at experiencing music i or what the movies and the tv shows look like tv shows and art and uh the apple pie and fireworks and all those those like family experiences right and, so and history kind of through the, the filter of memory and idealization culture, just pop culture. And oh, yeah. culture okay mm-hmm. all right um what, what are what are some examples uh that, that you think of when you think of Americana. Well, the very first thing I think of is music. I am a big fan of Aaron Copeland, and you can probably imagine his music is used in a lot of movies and and TV shows and commercials. He did um, the the song Rodeo. Uh, actually, it was a uh, a music um, suite, I believe, a ballet. Mm-hmm. I think it was a ballet. Oh, okay. And the main part of that was used in a, in a commercial about steaks and meat and stuff like that, you know. Mm-hmm. And I just, I love that music. And, and it gets me thinking about other types of music that I love, like ragtime, like Scott Joplin or Irving Berlin okay. or, um, you know, Gershwin. Oh my gosh, his music is just just so rich and, and kind of dreamy. The whole and, Tin Pan Alley yeah. thing. Yeah. Right. And then there's even uh, uh, like military marches, like John Philip Sousa. Okay. I love the music. And, and I, I think one thing that will become really clear is uh-huh. how um, personal mm-hmm. nostalgia in Americana oh, is. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. when you said music, I was thinking things like Buck Rogers and yeah. um, I'm sorry, not Buck Rogers. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, 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 a, that's a nostalgia that, that's for the space yeah. the 50s. I, I Do you mean like uh, Roy Rogers, maybe? Um, <laughs> no, I, I was thinking of. Um, uh, well, yeah, sure, whatever. Will um, Rogers. No, no, I was, I, was thinking, I was thinking of uh, kind of guitar, Stephen country, West, western, before, oh, before country and western. I was thinking bluegrass, so yeah, like yeah, folk, bluegrass. like yeah. folkways, folk recordings, Muddy yeah. Waters, oh, that yeah. kind of, That's what I so thought. So like of. on on uh, Hee Haw, mm-hmm, the grinning mm-hmm. uh, and picking, um, right? Yeah. And and so it's music that um, you know kind of has a uh, broad appeal. Um, there. In, in my experience, nobody really loves it a lot, but everyone can kind of deal with it on some level. Mm-hmm. So if you're picking music for a group, something like that is like the uh, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. lowest common cultural denominator. Right. Um, <laughs> I like bluegrass. Right, wait a second. <laughs> you know, you know I, just because it's, yeah, anyways. No, I used to listen to, I haven't done it in a while, but I used to listen to this great, they're not really a podcast, but they're like, they're called, what is it? Wood Songs Old Time Radio Hour. Mm. And it is, it is done actually, I think in person in, 
I don't know, maybe Nashville, I don't know. Um, but they release it basically on internet radio online and they have a lot of, you know, uh, current and classic bluegrass and country performers, mm-hmm. even some indie band stuff. Uh, just uh, Americana is the field, but in a very wide range of, of, of um, acts who come on. Um, okay. and are like a lot of it's blast from the past kind of bluegrass right, stuff. A lot right. of it's going to be newer stuff and you're going to get like the Alison Krauss feel of like mm. the sort of newer stuff. that's country, but also has that bluegrass right. feel I to it. I have no idea. Well, you were such a bluegrass fan because I are you? Okay. love bluegrass. Yeah. You should check out what song. So, so, I wrote it down. Yeah. You always give me something right, to write down. Good recommendation. Yeah. So one of the things I think this points to is um, kind of grasping at definitions of Americana. Um, can you imagine a, 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 a thoroughly German or a thoroughly mm. Chinese um, form of bluegrass? Mm. It's difficult because it seems to grow out of the American experience to such a strong degree. Well, I mean, but bluegrass does start from kind of a different. It's actually English type of originally, music, technically. I think, uh, English and maybe English, Irish, Ballish, yes. yeah. Scottish. Yeah, bringing that, that into true. the Appalachian Mountains. Yeah. And right. reading that, the Scotch that Irish. And if you were to look at, yeah. say, very specifically in Texas, Tejano music mm-hmm. is definitely pulling from Mexican culture, Mexican American culture, and the German settler influences. Mm-hmm. Well, that, and that, that that's the version that's where we get if you want to know where mexican-american bluegrass co- sounds like it's tahana music yeah no that's yeah. interesting Ooh, right yeah, yeah. That, yeah, yeah. Um, and it, we, we wouldn't have um uh, accordions in hispanic music if it weren't for the uh german the, settlers the, in texas the german and, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah and honestly i feel like this uh that uh, americana what brings a makes Americana Americana is what brings you a sense of longing to you when you listen to something or when you experience something, Mm -hmm. a longing to be part of something that happened in the past. And so that does bring in that, those music experiences Mm -hmm. from other uh, cultures as well as just American. Uh, But we all influence each other and create our own unique sounds as Mm -hmm. well. Um, And so, you know, I I think it is, there's that aspect of um, longing for a simpler time Mm -hmm. of uh, kind of a golden age that mm-hmm. um, oh yeah is fictitious yeah. but feels in fact the nostalgia is more acute when you are longing for things that you weren't part of mm-hmm. you right. know what I mean yeah. because you have the idealized romanticized version of it rather than a true sense of memory you know I mean the closest you can look at because we do have nostalgia for our own childhoods but that comes with time where you are you are filling in spaces mm-hmm. with that Kodachrome with the fond memories right right <laughs> yeah. and emphasizing some things and completely leaving other things out that, exactly. that don't work well with the uh the warm fuzzy memory <laughs> yeah so it's interesting with the music because i actually um i went two ways on this i thought about film more mm-hmm. than anything mm-hmm. else some tv shows as well but mostly like film and for myself like i wasn't a huge fan of say westerns right um oh, that, i, I mean, loved it i've learned up. to i've loved <laughs> to enjoy some some examples of that uh, from films i never really watched television well you know i do I do like that show Serenity, which is a sci-fi oh, western. Yeah. Sci-fi western. Um, but it yeah. was called uh, something else on TV Firefly. 
Yes. Yes. That's right. I saw Serenity Force on Firefly. <laughs> but then, <laughs> I just, I, I, you yeah. can't see me, folks. I'm right. throwing yeah. my, my hands in disgust right now. But I was know? thinking about the films because for me, nostalgia of Americana is definitely uh, AMC channel, mm-hmm, a Turner mm-hmm. Hossack movie yes. channel. Mm-hmm. Yes. So it's like Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers. Okay. You know, it's I, beach, Mr. It's, Smith goes to Washington. Right. Yeah. It's, and, yeah. And also like beach blanket bingo movies, man. Oh, All okay. the Annette Fudichet, the Gidget, yeah. the Tommy Kirk stuff, all of that was a big, like, I am both nostalgic for that in the sense mm-hmm. of the concept, but also the fact that it's something I watched in childhood. Right. So it's a double nostalgia mm-hmm. of my own childhood. Right. And I think that's one of the interesting things as someone that is uh, trained as a historian, when I see these kinds of phenomenon, one of the things um, where we can kind of play fast and loose with anachronisms and different time periods and you know, we're, we're real happy to bring in elements that weren't probably historically overlapping, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but in our in the melting pot of our memory, um, we can uh, you know kind of uh, shade over all of the kind of rough edges and the distinctions and and uh, kind of serve it up in this mm-hmm. big happy stew mm-hmm. um, with without the the burden of all of the specificity. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so when you're talking about movies and TVs and mm-hmm. uh, shows and stuff. You can always tell what decade it comes from because of the styles right. that are going on with it, right? right. Or, or the cars, yeah. mm-hmm. which is also a form of fashion, right? Yeah. Yes, yeah. absolutely. The architecture, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, how many know, people are smoking in public? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I was doing some. I was doing some research for today and um, came across a song, and it. And when I was looking it up, it brought up a movie that was made in the fifties I'd never heard of, but it just brought back so many fond memories of watching those rom-com musicals mm-hmm. like uh, uh, Stage Door or, uh, you know, where you had uh, like, uh, oh, what's her name that that was um, uh, in Wizard of Oz? Um, Judy Garland? Judy Garland, you yeah. know, where, uh, mm-hmm. anyway, so it was just a so Oh, all, of, the, all like the Andy Rooney, Judy Garland, yeah, Andy let's Rooney, put on a show stuff. Yes, I've yes. seen a ton of those yeah. as well. And so, and there's always like this cute little romance that goes along with the, the, mm-hmm. the happy-go-lucky musical. And, mm-hmm. and I just was like, oh my gosh, I just want to watch, sit and watch those now, right now. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm so nostalgic for that They're very powerful, the especially, as I said, because I watched so many mm-hmm. of them as a child. Mm-hmm. So it also is reminding me of mm-hmm. like, you know, happy childhood memories. <laughs> and, you know, when we're talking about movies too, uh, we can bring back uh, or we can address some things that were made that to be kind of like those movies okay. that, you know, kind of bringing back that feel. Mm. So what movies like Pleasantville, do you remember that oh, movie? Oh, yes. Did you see that, Mark? Yeah. My mind about uh, Blue with that movie, I remember. Yeah. That was a big movie for me. Mm-hmm. Peggy Sue Got Married. Have you ever seen that? <laughs> I have seen that one. That wasn't as, yeah, that was, I, uh-huh. I've seen it like once. I remember thinking it was pretty good, but it didn't make as big of an impression on me. Yeah. And of course, the pinnacle of all of that is Back to the Future, oh, right? God. You know, yeah. So you're talking about these modern characters experiencing past events right. that mm-hmm. may or not, may or not have been part of their history and in in such a way that it brings that nostalgia and that Americana to the audience. And Back to the Future is an mm-hmm. interesting one because it also evokes the 80s side of things yes. just by the setting that mm-hmm. it's in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and yeah. we see this a lot on episodic television, um, through classic television, like Happy Days. Mm-hmm. Um, and oh, yeah. here's something that, that's really kind of odd, uh, the way that time has kind of uh, stretched out in terms of 
kind of this this uh, forever now that we're in, where we're really happy to make pastiches from things mm -hmm. from lots of different time periods, mm -hmm. whereas they used to be kind of more distinct. So in the late 70s, when uh, Happy Days, you know, Fonzie and, mm -hmm. and so forth, um, they were 20 years past the time that they right. were reflecting Chronicling. on. Chronicling, yeah. Um, so if, if a Happy Days-like show was made in 2021, mm -hmm. we would be uh, reliving the wildly different world of 2001. Mm -hmm. But yet it doesn't seem all that different. No, it right. no. and, and so um, we, we've lost so some of those distinctions. Well, it's interesting because yeah. the test case for this would be Happy Days in that 70s show. Right. Oh, yeah. Which was in the 90s. Right, exactly. So, yeah. So it's really interesting but to kind of get there to that. there doesn't seem to be that much of a difference between 2000 and 2020. See, and I, I, feel like, I, I feel like the time has condensed, but you talk yeah. to someone who's like, Literally. I don't know, 20. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's a very different life. <laughs> yeah. I think okay. part of it is we, we still don't have good names for the decades. Oh, I know. After the 90s. <laughs> right. Uh, we've got lots of attempts. None, yeah. of, which, nuts, none of which have the gotten whatever. You know, yeah. dominant. And so, you know, when I hear music of the O's, I think, yeah. does that include the, the you know, the, the, Decade after that, also is it all yeah. of this? Well, is know, it music of this every, millennium or music of this decade? Starts really like mm -hmm. in the two, three, or four, and then uh, oh yeah, right, right. That's true. There's, there's I, I, that. I always say there's never yeah. there's never a more '80s movie than something made in 1991. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. That's the pinnacle. That's the pinnacle right, right there. That is absolutely true. Yeah. So I, I thought a lot about the movies, and then also I went a little bit into the sort of kitchen. The I personally, just as a personal interest, love food writing mm -hmm. and memoir through mm -hmm. chefs and food writers because I think that's a really great indication of both like the time periods and the regions. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know, cause, so like how how recipes have changed, what you know, people the, eat. Has uh, yeah, yeah, or? but not not so much. I do enjoy cookbooks and things like that. Mm -hmm. But my favorites are not necessarily the ones that are cookbooks or even ones from chefs. They're from people who are eaters who oh. and writers. Okay. So like visiting locations. Feel, getting to know like the what the the Sunday the the Sunday supper is from the the, the church social. Okay. Like, what does that look like in Alabama versus ah, Texas? Okay. So, what did you know? that do culturally? What kind of right. work did that? And do it's very hyper local, sort of like zones of stuff. Okay. Um. So that was an area that I was that I looked into as well. I've read a lot of stuff. Calvin, I'm going to actually name check Calvin Trilling. It's a favorite author of mine for this. He's an American um, author who. Uh, was writing like a columnist with some newspapers. He's done political political stuff, humorous stuff, mm -hmm. and then also some a lot of food writings. And um, he has he has some some great stuff. It's called the Tummy Trilogy. Is a book that he did, which is a, a set of three of them that he wrote through the seventies. Actually, I believe is where that came mm -hmm. from. Which I didn't know when I read it because it's, it. You, I wouldn't even have known. I read it in, say, probably the two thousands, <laughs> but uh -huh. but I didn't realize so I didn't I didn't realize that it was actually like set some decades before that. But it was about going out seasonally to areas that had like in the Northeast. What does it look like when they're having the local shellfishes that are seasonally mm -hmm. at, at that? What is what is the um, New Orleans cuisine look like mm -hmm. specifically for the locals and things mm -hmm. like that? So he had a, he had a very um, specific focus on local cuisines and like hyper local and not what would be like the fine dining version of stuff mm -hmm. like so the, did, did did he have a um a, a, was there a time element 
uh, looking at how those things are either endangered because of a sort of monocultural um, a little bit, it, just in the sense that his drive was seeking out, like trying to get away from the hospitality. Like, like his one of his big things was like talking to the people who worked in hotels and places like that, mm-hmm. and not asking them where they should go eat, but where not not asking, oh, where should I go eat around here? Asking where do you eat around here? Ah, that's such an important distinction. Oh, yes. Yeah. 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 One one gives the the expected touristy answer. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and the other is a lot. Um, uh, like this is the place that I go to every day. Right. Yeah. yeah. He was now, very interested. Here's where I take my friends from out of town, but then yeah. here's where me and where I go family. every week. Yeah. 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 He was very interested in eating like a local anywhere he went. Mm-hmm. So, so I have a question about regional foods and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Okay. So this is a cultural thing. Um, do you have a, a tradition in your family about what you eat on the first day of the year, the, the New Year's. We do. Or the New Year meal. What we is do. it? We eat, um, we eat tamales. We don't cook them fresh because tamales t- can take several days if you're doing a mm-hmm. large batch. But tamales either baked in the oven or reheated on the stovetop in the skillet. And then we also have usually coffee. And then later we'll make bonuelos with the tortillas with the, where they're done in, cooked in oil and then dusted with cinnamon and sugar. And uh, Mark? Well, um, in the Midwest, we didn't really have anything. But when I moved to Texas and fell in love with a Texas woman, I quickly learned that black eyed peas are not mm-hmm. just a good idea. Yeah. It's the law. That is true. We do. Um, we actually have to right, do the black eyed peas right. as well. So uh, for years and years, we'd get black eyed peas. And um, I, was trying to uh, kind of um, wait. Is that not a thing outside of Texas? Um, as, I don't know. <laughs> I know it wasn't in uh, in Illinois and Kansas. Oh, I really Kansas thought I was more... the rest of the country. Okay. So this, yeah, but uh, I, I, because I'm kind of a yeah. uh, a rationalist, uh, kind of rigorous thinker. Um, the the idea is you eat the black eyed peas in order to have good luck. Mm-hmm. Yes. But I was thinking if everybody always eats black eyed peas, we don't have a baseline. <laughs> So um, I I couldn't really chart luck against legume consumption in a way that was really satisfying. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I'm making little uh, X and Y axis kind of things. Yes, for the listener at home. And and so um, uh, we decided that one year we would skip the good luck beans because we weren't sure. We kind of felt like we were in the grip of big legume. We were just doing this thing because you're supposed to. And uh, so at the beginning of uh, 2020, we skipped the Black Eyed Peas. So now and, we know. Uh, now the rest <laughs> we, of the story. I am we so were, sorry, everybody. We were in Tennessee. And now we, we know the rest, rest of the story. So like you said, the, the, I guess it's the Southern thing. We have the Black Eyed Peas. We mm-hmm. have the uh, uh, turnip greens with uh, and some creamed turnips as well oh, I never did that. at ham. And everything had to have a little piece of ham uh, or bacon in it or whatever, or uncooked ham slice. Now that does does sound like big bacon to me. Not not (laughs) bacon. But the whole reason why I brought this up, Mark, you landed on it, was when I was talking to somebody who wasn't around here. And I was like, so what are y'all eating for the new year? And they're like, what are you talking about? Mm -hmm. And it didn't seem like that those traditions were a big thing in other parts of this country. And that really surprised me. And so I was just kind of curious what kind of traditions Mm -hmm. are regional and what's national and what is like maybe even family. I've heard friends in the Northwest Mm -hmm. and there's not, for them, there's not a strong food thing, but there is a strong tradition 
of the first day of the year to take a hike in the state or national park. Huh, okay. Um, and, and that's a very culturally significant mm -hmm. kind of thing. You get up on the first day of the year, and uh, there's a name for it, first something, another first first hike, first mm -hmm. march, um, and, and whole neighborhoods to get up early and go take a hike. See, yeah. now that's interesting because I know that there's a, a history in the English countryside of taking a ramble after Christmas dinner slash lunch mm -hmm. for the British. So that's another one that's similar to that, that we don't really have. It is interesting. I mean, about the Black Eyed Peas, I remember going to the to the rest the restaurant Black, Black Eyed Pea, Pea. Black mm -hmm. Eyed Pea, and they would give you a small sample cup for free mm -hmm. along mm -hmm. with your dinner at Black mm -hmm. Eyed Peas. So yeah. everyone ate, ate Black Eyed Peas. Well, they would be. I think they felt a very strong sense of responsibility. Yeah, if, they, they if were they the vanguard for it. If they withheld Black Eyed Peas on that day. Yeah. Um, they, they, they would be to blame. We'd gone multiple times there. We we bought like frozen black eyed peas and cooked them. Yes. Yeah, I didn't. That, I okay. never would have thought it was not natural. I feel like we've really gone away a little bit from our Americana oh, yeah. topic <laughs> a little bit. I, I uh, but of course you know Americana does deal with a lot of tradition. Like for mm -hmm. if you're talking about food, what's mm -hmm. more Americana than on um, Fourth of July you're eating your hot mm -hmm. dogs and your corn on the cob and. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, I don't know. What else do y'all like to eat? We do. We used to do barbecue chicken a lot. Mm -hmm. Oh, and well, in our in our family, again, it's very it's 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 uh, ethnic ethnically based as well. You know, I am Mexican American, mm -hmm. so that's where so that mm -hmm. the tradition of the tamales, the bonuelos, comes from. So we would have the barbecue chicken and the sausage or whatever, and then we would also have uh, we'd have the potato salad, but we'd also have the pinto beans, mm -hmm. you know, refried beans. And then my aunt would always make enchiladas, just because. <laughs> well, I'm just kind of I'm trying to broaden it back out to the to the topic of. When, mm -hmm. when I think of Americana food, mm -hmm. I'm not, pie. well, I'm, I'm not, a, I'm not always thinking of food that I want to eat. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm thinking of food that really mm -hmm. seems to be of the moment, of, of the, the time. time period. And mm -hmm. so uh, for, you know, growing up when I did Americana is kind of looking back on the post-war era and uh, the fifties and the embracing uh, the frozen embrace, foods, the yeah, preservatives. Well, it's just being very modern. Mm. Oh, we are so modern. Mm -hmm. The architecture looks nothing like any of these good-looking mm. buildings that are all around us. We've got a whole new aesthetic, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so we look back and say, why did they make houses like that for 30 years? Well, they were doing something different. Right. Why, why do they all and, have freaking popcorn on the ceilings? Yeah, yeah. And, and, uh, so one of the, some of the ways that comes this. out in food culture is what is more modern than something that is see-through and colorful? Um, <laughs> what jello? Is there anything you can't do? And uh, Well, we, the answer actually is yes, but no one believes it. <laughs> and, and, and so it kind of Americana uh, recipes, I'm, I'm you know, right. of, and they're kind of making a comeback on the internet as younger mm -hmm. people what share. What you put did, in Did you it? ever see yeah. anything like this? Well, I didn't see a whole lot of it, but I understood it went on. Yes. Yeah. Well, and so, so that kind of brings back to uh, something that we were talking about. We, we found this wonderful book called Americana, the Beautiful uh, Mid-Century Culture. And they they, they tell me they found this book after the topic name was selected. Lateral, I'm believe in them. Lateral thinking, I promise. Okay, very good. I, I thought that up, and then I uh, looked up the term and yeah. found this book. Perfect, <laughs> by the way, this, this was uh, uh, put together uh, by Charles Phoenix, and we look through this, and it's just got some gorgeous photos in it, including some, some interesting... Uh, 
things that you would have on your kitchen table. A 1950s dinner in 1950, party. Or 1964. Oh, there you go. And, and some of it, you look at it and you go, is it really that color? Or was it something uh, that that photo kind was of... Was it the filter maybe, <laughs> yeah. somehow? Maybe it was the was shade the of the... Chrome filter. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, um, but that does... Uh, bring up a lot of things that I was thinking about. Um, a lot of things that I feel like with the Americana is not just music, but it's also a visual. So you had the movies we were talking mm -hmm. about, mm -hmm. but it's also artwork. I feel mm -hmm. like this, these photographs are artwork uh, mm -hmm. that are in this book. And it's not just those pictures. There's a lot right. of vacation photos, a lot of region photos, uh, things that capture uh, the past and history, the architecture, the, the architecture, time period, yes, yeah. and 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 outfits. And um, I was thinking, well, yes. Well, I, I just let me be um, uh, a little more analytical for a second and ask, what what do you see as the function of Americana? What does it do? What work is it doing for the people who embrace it? Um, I, I've got my own theories, but I don't want to superimpose okay. those. I'm going to already say now, I don't think that, I don't think that Americana exists to have a function. I think it's something that exists that we are naming. Okay. You know what okay. I mean? Mm -hmm. So uh, it's, there, a, it's people that, that spend their life looking through, mm -hmm. looking backwards versus looking forward. It right. may just be a different you know, personality. I think, I think it's a style. human phenomenon that uh -huh. we are categorizing. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's what I think. And, gotcha. and I also think that you also talked earlier about what time frames, right? You right, know? right. So we, we nailed, uh, we, we talked about the 4th of July and because we're looked back at the past of celebrating our history, we're also like embracing that entire Americana idea of looking back into the past and looking at uh, uh, different time periods as well, not just, you know, the 1700s and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but I just want to mention, I, I, I want to bring in some art artists that I okay, really love. Sure. Norman Rockwell. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. that, brings yeah. out a whole That's bunch That's definitely of, a definition of Americana mm -hmm. in right. many ways. Yes. Especially on the back page of a Reader's Digest from 1978 yes. at your great aunt's house. Right. <laughs> or those old Saturday evening post magazines, right, right. you know, yeah. in the corner of your grandma's house. <laughs> yeah. And don't you just love like the pop art that came out of yeah. our, our mm -hmm. artist history, uh, like with uh, uh, Andy Warhol or, you know, you you mentioned I was mentioning uh, Roy Lichtenstein was the one I thought yeah. about. Like yeah. that comic book Pound. artist. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you've ever seen a piece that looks like a panel from a, mm -hmm. from a comic book or, or actually more, more, more like a comic strip, yeah, like yeah. that sort of right, stippling right, right. on the that, skin. The half, that's the Lichtenstein tone. pioneered mm -hmm. that. Yeah. yeah. And, and pop art also includes the whole, um, like, uh, Coca-Cola and those, those advertisement type things that mm -hmm. went mm -hmm. through so yeah. many. Yeah, wanting to teach the whole yeah. world to sing. And also <laughs> introducing us to Santa Claus. And oh, yeah, Coca-Cola and Santa Claus. Yes. Yeah. 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 So I, I just, I feel like uh, Americana is a lot of visual, a lot right. of uh, embracing the visualness of, of our history. Yeah. And in fact, not even just embracing it, but like if we're talking about the creation of America, Americana, it's directing the visuals because it clearly affects us. You well, know what I mean? What we yeah. think of Christmas now is directly inspired by stuff like Coca-Cola and right. their mm -hmm. their their Santa Claus uh, illustrations and 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 uh, commercials and things like mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah, and I think it is important to think about when I talk about kind of the work that it does, that there's a smoothing out of distinctions and differences, a homogenization, mm-hmm. uh, a, a playing up of some things at the expense of other things. Mm. And, and That's so a danger. The, 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 the risk, yeah, the risk in my view is uh, sort of creating a, a, a version of the past that is so romanticized it doesn't actually refer to any particular moment in the past. It's more like a mode of thinking about the past. That pastiche and, idea. And it's, um, no one goes for Americana that makes them uncomfortable, right? Right. So um, Americana is like a warm blanket. Mm-hmm. And warm blankets are great, but if there are things that you need to examine, a warm blanket will keep you from seeing. It still co- <laughs> it still covers things up. Yeah, yeah. You know, this is a good point. because so I, I enjoy it, but don't live in it. Right. I do want to mention, for instance, just a little test case of this, because I, I spoke with my mother for a minute about, what, what do you think of the word Americana? Like, what is, you know? Yeah. And, and I'll just say, like, I, I mean, obviously, she's my mom, so I'm a fan. But, like, her life has been one of those stories of America. First, first, so like I said, my background is Mexican American. Mm-hmm. My mother, first, first born, gener- uh, first born, uh, first generation born in America, you know, right. uh, first person in her family to go to college, get higher education. Okay. Just mm-hmm. lo- lots of things that she did with her life was a migrant worker in, in younger life, right. you know, lived in poverty and her whole family really like they're very well educated. Like a lot Sounds of like a real American success. Story. Right. It's a, mm-hmm. it, it is a story of America. It right. is not just a story of America. It's a story of an American dream. And when I asked my mom, um, what Americana means to her. She said, I don't know, red, white, and blue Westerns. <laughs> so yeah. that, I mean, why, like her story should be Americana. Right. Her story should be the story of America. Right. So we do want to remember mm-hmm. that that's still there and maybe it will be in the future. I yeah, don't know. It, it may require a time gap mm-hmm. um, for people to see, to kind of re-envision Americana for their world, right. for the world of 2040. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. All Americana is going to be from 2000. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, maybe we'll know what to call it by then. So. Right. That's true. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, oh, we should goodness. begin wrapping things up. Mm-hmm. Um, we were uh, thinking a little bit about um, fun facts in America, American culture and things like that. Um, uh, before we do our little sign off, um, what are some, some things that you guys came up with? Oh yeah. Um, I'll go. Do you want to go first? Or? I'll do one first. Okay. So I found one, and it fits right into that sort of mid-century America. Well, this is from the 70s, but it's a space race fact. And I love this because there's something beautifully human about this just in general and timeless. It's mm-hmm. actually that. So in 1972, uh, the Apollo 17 mission went up. It is one of the ones that did land on the moon. Mm-hmm. And there was an astronaut from that mission, Harrison, Harrison Schmidt, who has a very interesting distinction that during that mission, he discovered he is, in fact, severely allergic to moon dust. Oh, how funny. Unfortunate so, to find out. Yeah, but the first documented find out. allergy <laughs> yeah. to a substance not of Earth. Yeah. Which is incredible. Like, it, it, that might be the most common allergic substance on the planet. But we just have a small sample only size. A few people <laughs> I'm just now envisioning <laughs> him having a sneezing fit in his astronaut See, that's the thing. And he was sneezing and then like bouncing yeah. back. Her- yeah, Her- Harrison Schmidt walked on the moon. Uh-huh. So that, so like at what point in the mission did he <laughs> get exposure? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, of well, course I mowed, could be I mowed the grass, but I yeah. paid for it later with the allergies. So <laughs> right. there's some things you can tolerate. I would imagine it for... samples within the, within the ship, but, yeah, but right, just right. The, the concept is. 
mind-blowing. Mind visualization, allergic. once again, we're back yes. to that visualization. Yeah, yeah. And, and allergies are kind of along a continuum. I'm allergic yeah. to my cat, but only if I go directly from petting it to rubbing my eyes. Mm. But if oh. I remember to wash my hands in between, I'm good. Right. Okay. Uh, whereas other people that walk into a room with a cat and they go into See, anaphylactic shock. I think that that might cure you from rubbing your eyes. Um, or petting the cat. Um, <laughs> but no, uh, I do both. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's hard to remember. Hugh, yeah, that's... that's one of the, if, if COVID didn't teach us anything, it's how very frequently we thoughtlessly touch our face. Yes. And, and so uh, even COVID couldn't keep... But me, this is this you know, is what like humans that. are, because here we have an astronaut who goes out there and is allergic. And I guarantee you, if every astronaut was allergic to moon dust, astronauts would still have gone to the moon. That's what humans are. <laughs> right, right. You know, okay. we would keep going. Yeah. Okay. Years next I, have, I have a fun little fact that I found about history here. Um, last year, we had one person uh, that was still collecting a civil war pension can you imagine how wow. long has that been it was been like what over the 1850s uh, Mel, Mel brooks the oldest like in the world that's almost 200 years 200 it's like years. well it's a little bit they're like yeah, 215 something like that sorry yeah uh, <laughs> 1850s to 2020 the the uh the lady's name irene triplett she passed away last year but she was 90 so i mean still you're we're, we're going wait how, how does that work? Right. You know, uh, apparently her father was 85. He was a Civil War veteran. He was 85 when he married her mother. And uh, then she was able to still collect the pension because she Through was her his nine, daughter to 90 years until old. she passed away. And I think that is incredibly that fascinating how yeah. how much that compresses time. Sometimes. I mean, that's like a, it's an elongated amount of time, but that's still literally two generations. Right. Yeah. That's how close we are technically. Yeah. That's so crazy. Let, let me close with uh, two things real quick. One is a, a little historical tidbit like that. Um, J.D. Salinger fought at D-Day and in his backpack that he took ashore were six early chapters of a draft of The Catcher in the Rye. Oh. Wow. Um, so next time you're watching Saving Private Ryan, and one of those people is a uh, novelist, and he's got this great Literally Americana. And, and I realize, yeah. I realize that that was not that far uh, removed from the World War II, but yeah. that seems like two totally different generations. Right. Yeah, exactly. It does. And, and uh, right. And so, because I think culturally it kind of was, because Catcher in the Rye was this sort of anti-authoritarian, anti-establishment mm -hmm. kind of. Be your own person. Well, um, it does make sense from someone who experienced D-Day. Yeah, yeah, and mm -hmm. and so when when you see what um, people, uh, you know, the it, the Nazis, if anything, the vast majority of them were phonies because mm -hmm. they didn't really subscribe. Some of them did, obviously, uh, but a lot of them were just kind of going along to get along, mm -hmm. and uh, see kind of where that leads you, right? Yeah. Um, so down with phonies, down with Nazis. <laughs> um, not to be too controversial here. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so the, the other thing, I'm, just, I'm a sucker for quotes and I'm a sucker for history and um, is we're kind of thinking about Americana and the, the role that the past continues to play in the future, um, I, I think is summarized uh, almost perfectly by this William Faulkner quote. The past is not dead. In fact, it's not even past. Hmm. So with that, right. we will close out another edition of Shelf Check. Thank you for tuning in. Music for the podcast is Wonderful Adventures by Julian Bernard, under license from Firstcom Music, Inc. Production and editing by Stephen McQuay. And special thanks to library director Norma Zuniga. Take care and keep reading.